0: That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all.
1: This is Dee, Dee Keel, and you're listening to Pantheon
2: Podcasts.
0: Pantheon Podcast presents From Hollywood, California The Devil's Music With Pleasant Gaming You are invited to join The Hollywood Princess As she explores her lifelong pursuits In the occult, sex, love And that sinful rock and roll Ladies and gentlemen Step into the dark parlor Of Pleasant Gaming As she brings you The Devil's Music.
1: Hi, this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music Podcast, all about that sinful rock and roll. It's the beat. I know what it does to you. Rock and roll and witchcraft have been two concurrent themes in my life since the age of 12. So that's how I got the idea to do this, to explore two of my favorite things. Um, In case you don't know me, I'm a rock and roll witch. I'm a best-selling writer. I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles with a fanzine called Lobotomy, and I was an active part of that mid-to-late 70s punk scene that I helped create. I went on to book all sorts of clubs and venues in L.A., including two of the most seminal punk clubs, Raji's and Cathay Grand. Um, I lived in a very famous punk rock house called Disgraceland, legendary, I might add. I'm a painter. I'm an actor. I've been a professional dancer for probably many years, longer than some of you have been alive. I'm still ticking and still ticking lickins. Some of you might know me Some of you might not have heard of me, and some of you may have heard of me in the ahem biblical sense. But we're here to have fun, and I'm glad you're joining me. wanna wanna kick on to it like a Hi this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to the Devil's music. Today my guest is Selene Luna. she's unbelievable if you don't know about her after this episode you're gonna be obsessed about her. Um, she's a comedian, an actor, a writer, a podcaster, a traveling show girl, which is how we met. She's also a disability advocate because she is herself, quote, quote, disabled. Although I think that's like ridiculous because she does more than almost any person I know today, we're going to be pretending we're sitting in a bubble bath drinking wine. But anyway, that's our fantasy. So just imagine both of us, two hot brunettes sitting in a bubble bath, getting ready to talk to you and tell you some really fucking sick shit. Welcome, Selene. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Hi, Pleasant. And
2: thank you for such a lovely intro, such a lovely, sexy intro. I'm all over it already. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Go no, go ahead, talk. <laughs> oh, that's all. No, I I didn't want to speak over you because I know it's already gonna start. I'm gonna just start s- screaming and talking on over you. Um, thank you for having me. I think this is such a great excuse to catch up with somebody I love. For uh, I love and respect you so much for so many years. You've been such a great friend. So I'm excited to be on your show.
1: Don't let don't let her um don't don't let that nice little innocent statement she made um, <laughs> fool you. <laughs> Put my entertainer cap on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um we are entertainers. That that whole intro I gave you guys out there in podcast land about um, Seleni, we just both do so many things that years and years ago, we decided that we were, quote, quote, entertainers. And th- every time we say it, it comes out in like 20 foot uh, or 20 story tall green neon letters. We're entertainers <laughs> with flashing chain lights around it.
2: Um, well, so line that's we, are you in? I'm an entertainer. Yeah, we it's used so, to say that. It's
1: at, old school. It's old we, school. We'd say it at like at customs when we were traveling to go <laughs> to a different country. What are you? I'm an entertainer, sir. <laughs> it's like it's like telling somebody you're a
2: vaudevillian.
1: Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm an enchanting
2: lady. When you, I know when uh, at any time we told the the guys at customs that we were entertainers, I I felt like they looked at us like we're from another
1: time and place. <laughs> yeah, like they went into a time warp. But uh-huh. um, we we met being entertainers, and I don't remember exactly how we met. Do you?
2: I do not. But I was actually last night uh, when I was thinking about doing your podcast today. I kept racking my brain because we have so much history we've had so many adventures but i couldn't remember the first time we met and but the memory that keeps popping in my mind early on was i remember seeing you all the time at the garage oh yeah and i uh, i do remember sucker? yeah yeah the at um and i think it, what wait what was that club oh uh, the it
1: was called what, sucker Yeah, Club Sucker. Davis had Club Sucker, and it was an afternoon party that was all, this was the theme of it, um, show tunes and punk rock. And and there was was bands playing there. This was at a club, this was in the 90s, at a club called The Garage in Silver Lake. And Mm -hmm. this was before Mm -hmm. Silver Lake was gentrified. And these shows were absolute mayhem. Just in, there was like literally people climbing in the rafters. I remember one time um when a band called Wood Pussy played these mm-hmm. two hot hot brothers, um Billy and Johnny patchin um mm-hmm. from uh they were, um, I can't remember what band they were in, but they took off all their clothes and this wasn't part of the show. And one of them covered himself in mustard and the other one covered himself (laughs) in ketchup. And they were climbing through the rafters of the club, naked, hanging down off off the stage. And then I remember one time I was sitting on the bar with the bartender pouring shots into my mouth while someone that I barely knew was giving me a hit of acid. And and this is like a four in the afternoon. With drag queens all over the place and like Ron Athey and bands blaring. And, and well, was, I,
2: I know I met you, I just something tells me I met you outside of that. But my earliest memories of seeing you on a regular basis was at Club Sucker. And we had, we already had a ton of friends in common. Like I think, I think Billy Rich may have been like the primary. Yes, connection.
1: Billy Rich, yeah.
2: And I, read, I remember, um, I remember you walking in one day with the the cutest. You look like Jean-Benet Ram, Ramsey. You were like, <laughs> you were wearing some like, I think I I could swear you were wearing like a white cowboy hat, maybe with white cowboy boots. And, oh yeah, sure, I was. I'm sure
1: and some I was. kind
2: of like cowboy frilly dress. <laughs> Coat. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really cute. But yeah, that was so much fun. I mean, I spent every Sunday at Club Soccer, a Sunday afternoon. It was like church. It was so fun. Yeah, was,
1: and then and then we were in the Velvet Hammer together, which was like the, the world's first neo-burlesque troupe. And maybe so that's we, where we officially met. Maybe that was where it really started, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You know, and I do have a vivid memory of uh, you, in particular, always being really, really sweet and friendly to me backstage. You know, I was really shy because I didn't really know everybody. I knew Annie, which is how I became involved. Diamondback
1: and- Annie, who's also a really oh, no. a- famous... Oh, Annie singer. Sperling. Oh, Annie Sperling. Well, they're mm-hmm. they're both famous um, LA burlesque performers, and they both do a lot of other amazing things, too.
2: Yeah, they're incredible artists. So, uh, But anyway, I have the sweetest memories of, uh, you know, you, you just always being so, like, warm and embracing and uh, backstage, because it could be in- intimidating for, you know, I was a newbie and uh, you know all the girls at that were just so cool and so rock and roll and had you guys had been doing it for years and i was new on the scene and so i was just kind of like kept to myself but uh you instantly made me feel welcome every time
1: ah yeah. i love that um so let's describe like i don't know if this was your first act but this was definitely my favorite act from the velvet hammer um mm-hmm. and then we have to tell the story of How you got it, Selene was a baby. Her, this was like (laughs) an old school, like um, it was kind of like a Laurel and Hardy or Three Stooges. It was Mm -hmm. definitely like a Max Senate 1920s style act where um, the curtains would open and there was a baby carriage on stage. And then this um, scary, handsome, fetishy hobo clown would come (laughs) out and and spot the, the baby carriage. And um, he he was leaning over and, you know, playing with the baby and stuff. And the little hand came out to grab it at him. So he picks the baby up out in her little, um, in her little, like, um, sort of christening gown and baby bonnet. And she immediately starts stripping. The first- <laughs> so Lenny <laughs> was a stripping baby. And this is because she's a little person. <laughs> um, and so... If that's not like the most fucked up fetishy thing on earth, I can I, I'm hard pressed to think of another, but I'm sure we'll think of quite a few before this episode is over. But so, yeah. um, tell the story of how you found the the um the baby carriage. This is so ill. Oh well,
2: I mean, I found it on eBay. You know, uh, I it was a uh, and the and I do want to say that uh, what I really loved about being part of the Velvet Hammer is that we could do things back then, back in the day, that you can't get away with today. Like I could never, today I could never get away with doing the baby carriage number. And it wasn't my first number, but the more I became involved with Velvet Hammer, I saw how each person kind of used their platform to express something really personal. And uh, so the baby carriage to me, it was actually, And I didn't have to explain it to anybody. I didn't give a shit what anyone thought about it. It just, to me, what motivated me to do it, it was really an homage to all the the little people in silent movies and vaudeville. You know, they they always played a baby who was a jewel thief, you know, or things like that. And it was just really like some little mobster.
1: And you know, yeah, the, or, or the are. Munchkins.
0: Which, what, yeah. do you,
1: what do you think of like the, What about those rumors about the Munchkin sex parties at that hotel in Culver City? Can you debunk believe, them, I, or do you know? Yeah. It? I just want to. <laughs> I want to think that it really happened.
2: I think there should be a movie made about it,
1: whether or not <laughs> it's true. Whether or not it's true, I want to see the the biopic. Wait, so. there probably already is one on Pornhub. Cough, cough. <laughs> 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 or if there's not, I. I keep wanting to start my own porn hub because <laughs> Oh my god, you should. You should. This is a casting uh, opportunity for you, Selene. So <laughs> or oh, no, you could be, be the director. You could be the
0: director.
2: Well, um but uh anyway, that was my amber alert number. <laughs> and um and I was just honestly to me, I was just being confrontational cuz I knew how sick and twisted it was to come out as a stripping baby, but I wanted people to see like, this is not a baby. This is a woman, just like little people in silent movies. That was an adult. And that was the only gig they could get, you know? And uh, really there was a lot of uh, political, uh, social injustice message behind it for me personally, but that wasn't what I was shoving down people's faces. I was hoping to make it still cute and sexy. And I didn't care what anybody thought. I do remember, I think one of the first times I performed that number when we did a show at the Mayan. Um, I remember Kate Valentine was hosting and uh, I mean, Miss Astrid. And uh, she said that uh, a couple people walked out as soon as she said, this is an Amber Alert. So I did have a sense of pride clearing out a table.
1: Yeah, there was, <clears throat> there was a lot of... Um... There was a lot of that kind of stuff going on in the Velvet Hammer because at that same show at the Mayan,
0: mm-hmm. another
1: internationally known performance artist who would also probably call themselves an entertainer was Vaginal Cream Davis. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and Vag was doing a number in a tuxedo and big chicken feet. And he's a very large, beautiful, black um, non-binary person (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um but uh, was also in blackface doing it and a lot of people walked out on that and that was also when i was doing the whip act with danielle stamp who used to have Mm -hmm. a traveling show called the girly freak show and we were doing an act called the high plains harlots and she would whip like She's a she's a bow whip. She's amazing um, master, and um, she would whip targets out of my mouth. She'd whip my clothes off my body, my costume pieces, and targets out of my hands. But because it was the High Plains harlot, she was a saloon girl, and I was a Native American. And, and so someone came up to me after the show and said, "You know, I I I was really offended by your act," and I was like, "Yeah, but." what well, you know on my father's side it's it's all early settlers and Native Americans and she said well I was still offended by it and I said in a show with a stripping baby and a black drag queen in blackface I'm glad that you're offended by my act <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's hilarious well the things about our acts they were beautiful elaborate um we really put on a show uh, however I, I found a lot of acts to be confrontational. And they were. I think, they were on purpose. Yeah, it was everything we, we were, were going
1: through, but all glittery and sparkly.
2: Yeah, we weren't confrontational. We were telling stories of real truth, and um, you know, uh, you know, blackface. Uh, uh, you know, a black individual performing blackface. That was really powerful. You know, everything we did was about how wrong these injustices were. But um, we showcased it in a way that you know. I don't know, I, I thought processed it in a beautiful way.
1: Oh yeah, I thought I thought so too. And it was, I mean, that was, that was, that was just, it was a, a different time. And by that, I don't mean what we were doing because what we were doing was really pushing the envelope so mm-hmm. far into the void that it could have been like, you know, like landing on Mars and finding like the faces there. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there was no social media in those days. Yeah. There was, there wasn't, a- It was. Yeah, I know. Well, my my stock line about any of those times is if there would have been social media, like in some of the most of the decades that I've been alive, I'd still be incarcerated.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, I am so grateful. Social media came in later in my life, like when I could handle it. (laughs) Like I just, oh, my God, the horror of what what would have been recorded in my youth. I just I can't even imagine it. I'm just so I'm so glad I'm very grateful that our youth was a private time. You know? Yeah, I mean, talk about living in the moment. I'm glad I had that experience.
1: No, I know it was amazing. Okay, so um, we did the Velvet Hammer together for years, and then we mm-hmm. also like sort of rolled straight into um Margaret Cho's show, The Sensuous Women. The yeah, Sensuous women's Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have to talk oh, about okay. this yes oh your editor's gonna love okay. that <laughs> no this is not a mis- this isn't a mistake <laughs> no mistakes no mistaken
0: uh
2: Why yeah we were doing that we rolled straight into the sensuous woman and that was a wonderful experience we got to travel all over the country with margaret and then we did a really really fun memorable two-month stay in New
1: York. At the Zipper and, Theater off-Broadway, and it was every night performing. It was, what, we had Sunday off, right? Yeah, but I think- Or was it Monday? I think it was. I don't remember what night it was dark, but
2: I might be wrong, and I might be merging it with another show, but I could swear we did eight shows a week.
1: We did, we did, we did eight yeah, it shows was, a week. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was a real this showbiz was, grind. This was, a, this was a burlesque show. Um, it was a, it was a burlesque show that was, um, that sort of came out of my teaching Margaret belly dancing and burlesque, Mm -hmm. and then she made a whole show about it. We also had Dirty Martini, who's a famous burlesque performer from New York, and Mm -hmm. she's now with Dita Von Teese, and she had been in the Velvet Hammer with us. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then, um, we had Ryan Huffington, who's a really well-known choreographer, and then we had... Yeah, we knew him in the early days. (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> but that show was so much fun and we were all living together this was like its own reality show except there was no cameras around so lenny and i and and all the other comics like ian harvey and stuff we were all living in this one little building of corporate housing mm-hmm. in new york and walking to the theater every day and drinking like fish i might add like
2: <laughs> yeah i don't know how we did it we just yeah you, you, it was just we we're just being entertainers and uh yeah, we spent every waking moment together with this group. It was like being at Little Rascals Entertainer Camp, and uh, and remember we had uh, Grace papaya for dinner every night.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think we thought <laughs> it was, was- easy easy doing that many shows and normal, but we we like we're like, oh, I'm gonna go to the Metropolitan Museum, and then I'm gonna go and visit Staten Island, <laughs> and I'm gonna go to the Statue of Liberty, and all we could do was sleep until like. Four or five in the afternoon. After a while, from doing all those shows, it was insane. It was
2: exhausting. It was so <laughs> exhausting.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: I was in. I was in bed until we had to get into makeup.
1: Yeah, I know that was. And then uh, after a while, like um, my nipples. After like about the third week, I thought my nipples were never gonna return to normal because they had these two big red rings where like the spirit gum went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I was afraid one day I was going to take my pasties off and my nipples were going to come with it.
2: <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, it was it was brutal. It was like really it was hard
1: labor. <laughs> but it was so much fun and um, so so that was just one of the touring experiences or on location experiences we had. Um, let's talk about when we did Steve Balderson's movie Firecracker. So this was a movie um about a true murder that occurred in the 50s at a carnival on the 4th of July in Wamego, Kansas. And um, Steve Balderson, if you guys out there in podcast land, he was, um, I did a whole episode with him because he's worked with Mink Stoll and Karen Black and he's made tons and tons of incredible movies. And so he was the director. There's there's some stories about Firecracker on that episode with Steve, but... um, Selene and I have so many stories about the set of Firecracker and what it was like working with Karen Black and what it was like being in the murder house where the actual murder happens that this story was based on, but also just how how absolutely surreal it was being in in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Kansas. Um, As entertainers working on a film set. Well, we
2: were were a couple of big city girls. We were big city showgirls. And then we find ourselves, and through Pleasant, I got the gig, we find ourselves shooting a film in this tiny, really adorable little town. I mean, what was it, like two blocks long?
1: It was yeah, it was a, two blocks long, and I think there was like it, there was something like three thousand people, or maybe it was three hundred. I don't even remember. It was. It was I went. I, would, I to a uh, venture. It was like three. It felt like
2: three hundred people, but maybe we were just downtown and everyone else was spread
1: out. It did have a Sonic though. That was it had a Sonic. Oh, that was and major. It had, and it had a liquor store right across from the motel. <laughs> but I remember we had to drive
2: about an hour out. To go thrift shopping. Yeah. And that yeah, was cool. Go, oh or, my God,
1: Mike, go Patton, Mike Patton, Mike Patton was there. Jane Yeah, from Faith, from Faith No More. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was this, this shoot was padded with rock stars that were also friends of ours. Mike yeah. Patton, Jane Wheedland. And there was also the Enigma from the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow, who is a very tall and very buff man who is completely covered in tattoos of blue puzzle pieces and he does stuff like hang shit out of his eyes like he used to hang these oh. discs out of his eyes and he's a master sword swallower and just remember these two facts about him for later on in this podcast
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: oh my god oh, there was also george the giant was there who's like almost feet oh, tall. Yeah. that's right that's right uh amy callie yeah and um, Kathy, Kathy um, what's her name? Kathy, the, the Katzen. daughter. Yeah, Katzen, Kat- who's all covered in tiger stripes. The Enigma's wife at that point. Her entire body is
0: tattooed mm-hmm. in
1: tiger stripes. Very, um, very. So what was it? Was it Kathy Berry, the, the lobster boy's oh, the, yeah. Um, daughter? Yeah, and that's
2: right. Kathy had- Berry.
1: She had worked as her 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 father was a really famous carnival freak, and also said to have murdered people mob style, or had hits put out on right. other carnies. Yeah.
2: Well, that was an adventurous two weeks, and uh, I felt like uh, I, like Pleasant and I kind of took over the town. I think you and I may have been there the longest, possibly. Yeah. And yes. uh, yeah, by the end of it, we kind of knew everybody in town. And uh, I remember just hanging out at the library downtown, and <laughs> just like, and the, uh, what was really charming is that it wasn't like some typical Hollywood set. It was like the crew was made up out of town locals, and yeah. um, and it was just a, a very sweet family affair. It was cute.
1: It was really great, and you had a crush on cousin Bobby. We were you obsessed. had a
2: crush on cousin Bob. Cu- cu- Christian Bobby was in love with the pleasures although i believe uh it was presents so no okay so nobody pleasures. Wanted...
1: He used to call me pleasures that's why you said pleasure
2: nobody nobody in this little town of Wamigo could pronounce mine or pleasant names like we were as exo- the most exotic thing your your not... name was selena so selenas <laughs> and uh, yeah no one could pronounce our names we were like the most exotic things that ever passed through there and uh, for whatever reason even though pleasant is just could be a normal word no everybody could just they just kept calling pleasant pleasures and once in a while we got a presence pleasures anyway
1: but that, that was, was when we started telling people we were sisters. Remember? Yeah, sisters. Because they all oh, people yeah. would always ask if we were sisters because we both have bangs and um, dark hair and yeah. brown eyes. Yeah, we were like the darkest people there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we can We carried that on into Las Vegas too, though. But because also it was um it was sort of Steve Balderson's fault. We we went to Las Vegas. Steve's dad in in Kansas, Clark has um he has a business with big like earth moving machines and tractors and a lot of the movie firecracker was shot in in the warehouses or quonset huts like all the interior scenes um were set up in the in like the garages of like the tractors and the bulldozers and
2: stuff It it was farm country it was
1: hardcore yeah but he sells that stuff internationally so then a couple of years after the movie um there's there's this once every five years in the world mining convention and um it's been all over the world and miners from everywhere in the entire world go to it so um clark balderson and dymax which was his company obviously were in it we you know attending all the mining conventions but this one happened to be in Las Vegas so Clark hired Selene the enigma and me to come and their whole theme in the mining convention because every booth had to have a theme was that it was going to be a carnival sideshow so mm-hmm. we we went directly to um las vegas and all our showgirl gear with all our sword swallowing accoutrements and stuff and stayed there for like that weren't we there for like almost a week for like five I days think or so two? yeah it was
2: like the full convention week yeah
1: and so and we, we weren't
2: uh, so we were we were we, we 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 uh all the convention people were kind of mortified with us uh because we were we were like dressed up in our you know our girly costumes or you know our burlesque costumes and we were just dancing all day in front of gigantic tractors yeah remember <laughs> when we were, we, we
1: were in, in like this scoop of like a giant bulldozer <laughs> 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 and um and all the signs in the booth were made to look like carnival sideshow and um and selenia and i did a bunch of costume changes and i went once to the starbucks that was in the convention center to get to get us some coffee because we were so dead and i for, i forgot that i had on this little leopard hot pants cat suit and like ears and so i went up to starbucks and i ordered two two espressos and i said can i have a side of heavy cream and the guy goes would you like that in a cup or in a bowl? <laughs> that's cute. <key. laughs> You're like a plushy convention crossover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so we were staying at um, we were staying at this hotel that's no longer there. It wasn't Circus Circus. It was called the Boardwalk. And to enter yeah. this hotel, you have to walk through a giant two story high huge gaping clown mouth like a clown yeah. yawning is the front entrance of the hotel It was
2: so scary walking into this <laughs> giant clown face yeah and the doors the double doors were the mouth it was hilarious it was
1: awesome and they had they had chandeliers i wanted those so bad oh my god they had these metal chandeliers that were from like the 50s or the 60s that they at first glance they look like normal chandeliers but they had roller coasters going on yeah they were amazing them. And there was also, um, there was a show going on in one of the lounges downstairs that we, we <laughs> thought it was going to be cheesy, but we were obsessed with it all week. It was, it was Prince, it was, a, it was called Purple Rain, R-E-I-G-N. Uh-huh, and it was yeah. um, Prince Impersonators and also Morris Day and the Time Impersonators, full live bands. Like every night, it became like our our night. Well, it, camp. Took like, it took us a couple of days to go there because we thought it was going to be horrifying, and then one night yeah. we we're like, "Okay, we're we're in there," and then we were shocked that at how it was. It was fucking great. I mean, the it, band it was, was awesome. right on. Um, remember remember that? The, and the first night we went there too, it was sick on a level that only Las Vegas could be like. Because there was a, there was like a row of women and Mm -hmm. um they were like they were probably about the ages that we are now or at Mm -hmm. least that i am you know like sort of middle-aged ladies but they all Mm -hmm. had their hair done up and they were all wearing like satin jumpsuits or like really good baby clothes with kind of stripper heels but in the middle of one song they got they all sort of got down on their hands and knees and were doing twerking but this was way pretty twerking what year was this anyway oh my i don't remember
2: but i know like i've never seen <clears throat> twerking before and i was like well, well yeah i don't even we know were, if this we, were we were freaking out
1: we were yeah they were out. all doing they were, we were calling it ass dancing they were all on their hands yes. and knees <laughs> but at a stage these these like genteel and glamorous looking older ladies just sort of jumped down like a cheerleading unit and started doing it yes. and, and they stopped that the main prince guy stopped the, the show in the middle of it and he was like are y'all making a movie down there (laughs) (laughs) they were awesome these women were like
2: glamorous and fabulous and the next thing we know they're twerking it was awesome
1: but yeah the show was great so then when morris day and the time came out after oh i i said when that show was over we were just sitting there in stunned amazement and i was like Wow! Like now, I mean, it would just be perfect if Morris Day came out, and then right then they announced, "Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Morris <laughs> Day in time." It's and so, so then they came out, and and Jerome the Butler, in in mm-hmm. you know the guy that carries yeah, with America. the mirror, uh-huh. yeah, like in the real time and in the fake Las Vegas time, he was so fucking cute. And then the next day, Selene and I were sitting in the lobby of the hotel. And he, he came by our table. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. He was like, at that point, like, I could go all Kip Winger and say, I think, he's only
2: 17. Oh, my God. He was a kid. Totally. He was,
1: he was totally a kid, but he was so hot. And and he was Super so picking cute. up on us.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was really cute. And he was, because I think he'd seen us in the audience. Yeah. And because uh, we'd become regulars and uh yeah, he came over to start to introduce himself and we totally hit it off with him and I know we were making him laugh and he was just tripping out on what are we doing there? What is our trip? What is our story? And then we invited him up to our room. We're just like... <laughs>
1: Wait. Oh, at first, you, you know that he thought that he was. He, you know that he thought he was going to be having like a three-way with a cougar and a midget. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just I just gotta say that. And also, I think we told him we were sisters. But I mean, I could just see every fantasy on earth flying through his head. But he had no idea.
2: Like <laughs> we were, we were just really wanted to hang out, and we thought he was cool. Like we went we had like no like sexy intentions whatsoever
1: like he also had he also had no idea that um the enigma was fast asleep in our room because he'd had to do an early checkout and he was waiting for a plane so when we walked into the room oh my god yeah we walk into the room (laughs) with this guy
2: and then the enigma some some dude covered in blue tattoos from head to toe is like laying there. Yeah, his mind was blown. His mind was blown. have to sleep on the bed. <laughs> but he was cool, though. Um, that, wait, what was his name, the, the Morris Day guy? Wait, uh, wait, he had a crazy name. I know, I can't remember. I he can't was remember so his name. Anyway, but he was cool, though, because he just
1: kept rolling with it. Anyone else but, would like but, yeah. but then I thought this was going to impress him. I thought he'd, he'd think it was really cool. I was like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. Hashtag allergies. I, 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 I was begging the Enigma to swallow a sword because I thought that this that the that guy was really gonna like it. Like I thought he was gonna be (laughs) as amazed by it as Uh we were. The Enigma was all grouchy because we had just woken him up and dragged like a teenage stranger, (laughs) a strange boy into the room. The Enigma was acting like our blue dad, and. uh-huh uh-huh so i finally convinced him i was like please 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 and he said okay so he opened up all his road cases and he got the swords out and stuff and then he got it all cleaned off with alcohol and he started doing it and the kid was looking at it like it was amazing and then um the enigma did it and there's always this moment in sword swallowing where you get it a little bit down your throat and then you sort of like Spread your arms out and stick your chin all the way up in the air to sort of open your throat, and then the sword mm-hmm. just goes, boom, and just goes down Ugh. by itself. No, I know that, but I, I still can't the- watch. Oh, I—that is so sexy to me. I thought that's why I thought the kid would like it. I didn't know you were horrified but <laughs> it. No. Oh, so, I'm, hor- I'm horrified with all sorts swallowing. I can't. Oh, you're I can't, kidding. I, I have to look away. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Okay, well, the best part of this, do you remember this? Was as soon as that mo. <laughs> as soon as the sword slid <laughs> down his throat, the <laughs> kid, like, just in one movement bent over, grabbed the wastebasket, just like, Bleh! like he just. <laughs> I like, remember falling. that. I completely
2: remember. Yeah, he just starts throwing up. And then. Shortly after, do you remember this? The knock knock on the door, and it's Clark. Like, <laughs> just some like, and then we just happened to be hanging out with a normal dad. Like, you know, our, our boss at the moment. <laughs> our boss and our friend. And uh, so this kid's bl- mind must have been blown. Because then Clark comes in, and we're all hanging out. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, this is definitely not a sexy moment. It's not going to happen, kid. <laughs> That <laughs> kid is never cool. going to
1: forget it. So we, we also at that mining convention, um, we were telling all the people that you and I were the heiresses to the world's largest rhinestone mine, and they believed us. Yeah, it was, oh yeah, and when we're walking around with tiaras, or was that just London? <laughs> <laughs> never in London? But, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Ta- okay, so we went directly from from. Oh wait, wait, wait! Before
2: wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Vegas, then. On that same trip, we went to go see Penn and Teller with the enigma. Mm-hmm. He took us, and we were hanging out backstage with Penn and Teller. Do you remember and Penn that? And was
1: really rude to me.
2: Yeah, Penn was such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he's, such a, he's really arrogant um, and so gigantic. But I think that's when I started crushing on Teller. Teller oh, was so I, cute. I,
1: I would have fought you for Teller. Yeah,
2: Teller was so cute. I fell in love with him. He was so cute.
1: But, he was like, you yeah. wanted to go full fetish on Tyler Papa Harpo Marx wig on his head. Yeah, <laughs> Big
2: Tyler Harpo Marx. Do the whole mirror image yeah. number with him. Yeah, he was awesome. He was rad. But oh yeah, so then shortly after that, we went to London to promote a screening um, at a film festival of uh, Firecracker, and so we were
1: invited yeah, that was to the London, to- the London Film Festival, right?
0: for the rain of the crunch of the ice is coming the sun's has been in melt down expected the witches could feel ain't no stop moment but i have no fear london is drowning and i leap the river
2: yeah yeah we were invited to represent and so of course Pleasant and I were like, "Oh, we're going to London!" So we pack, <laughs> we pack all our jewels, we pack and our mink mink, mink stoles because it was a film premiere. <laughs> mink stalls and tiaras and all our like junk jewelry, and um, and then we and we dressed up, you know, really like glamorous princesses uh, to go to a. We were like the only ones at the, uh, at at the premiere, uh, you know, in tiaras
1: and mink and long gloves, and it was amazing. <laughs> And when we took a, we took a picture in the, in the, in the hotel safe, we, we smashed oh, yeah. all our tiaras and rhinestone bracelets and stuff. into it with the <laughs>
2: <table>. <laughs> Yeah, we kept everything in a safe at the hotel. Like, Even though well, it was
1: bought like... at Forever 21.
2: <laughs> and we really art directed the safe
1: too. Yeah. It was great. It was great. And we were into we were into meat-flavored potato chips because we couldn't believe such a thing existed.
2: Oh, my God. The crisp. Um, yeah, what were they called? I like, forgot the brand name. But, um, yeah, they had the best potato chips, like ketchup flavor, lamb and mint, all like the fucking grandma flavors. I like, yeah. They're so good. Or like
1: ba- baked chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like an we, roast. We, yeah, yeah, it was roasted chicken. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so we were... We brought tons of packages home, not realizing that they would just turn into crumbs in our suitcases. <laughs> yeah, we just had crumbs. And every but, photo we took on the street had to have a double decker bus in it so people would know we weren't pretending that we <laughs> Look, were. Yeah, this was pre social media. Yeah, and pre editing. This was like cardboard disposable camera, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was like film. Uh, Let's talk about, um, let's talk about the Greek club, shall we?
2: Yes. Okay. That was perhaps, if not the, one of the most epic, endless nights of my life. I mean, it all started with cocktails in the hotel lobby with Paul and Sarah. And And then from there- Paul
1: was my, Paul was my music publisher at the time because I had a, um, a song coming, um, coming out with that, that really big English um, electronic duo, Peace Division. And that was how I met Paul. And I thought he was going to be a stodgy, I thought he was going to be a stodgy, stupid music business asshole. And remember I told you we arranged the code so mm-hmm. that we'd have to go after like one drink in case it mm-hmm. got boring? Mm-hmm. Boy, was I off mark with that. And we were with Sarah Simonon, who was Paul Simonon from The Clash's brother and your friend, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, was, I was friends with Sarah. And uh, so she met up with us for a drink because, you know, when am I going to be in London? And uh, so we asked her to join us for a cocktail along with Paul, who I guess you were meeting for the first time, right? In yeah. person. And uh, and so, you know, and I also gave Sarah the heads up. You know, it's kind of a business cocktail so that Pleasant can get acquainted with her uh, business uh you know music business guy and oh my god immediately the four of us got on like a house on fire immediately paul was like the coolest guy ever and he was such a gentleman and he was so cute and so fun and so funny and he just treated us to like the most incredible night in london like that i could have ever
1: imagined and it started yes. it started off great but then it went wild when he took us to this um underground um secret speakeasy in soho called And the like
2: Jesus. not not hipster not
1: hipster no sequester. no not hipster like like
2: yeah oh it was like a legit scary criminal like major criminal element like scary old school secret club like Us girls had no business there. Like Like, it was... Like lock
1: stock and two smoking barrels. The real deal.
2: Like You couldn't believe this shit. It really existed. So Paul... Okay, wait. First, we had champagne. We had like a bottle of really nice champagne. Because, you know, Paul... No, we had like
1: four bottles, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Paul
2: Paul spared no expense. So he treated us to like some lovely, no cheap shit, champagne at the uh, hotel lobby. And then we all went to dinner at this at the Gay Hussar, this beautiful Indian restaurant um, in uh, Soho. And then from there, you know, we, we just, um, we feasted. And then he's like, you know, obviously we were having a good time. We didn't want to wrap it up after dinner. I don't even know what time it was at this point. And then we all hop in the cab to this private club Paul wants to take us to. We So the cab drops us off at this... In, I, this is what I remember, this gigantic apartment building. And I'm thinking, we're going to some apartment? Like, what the fuck's going on? And then we go through this apartment. And it's huge. And we're going through corridor after corridor, flights of stairs. It goes up, it goes down. And then next thing I know, we're going down several flights. And then we're in this tunnel. And we get to the end of this tunnel. Like, you forget you're in this apartment building. It's so ma- It's like a crazy maze. And then we get to this door, and it's the speakeasy. And it's just old school. Paul knocks on the door, somebody opens the little window and lets us in. We walk in, and it's, it looks like a sunken bar. It, to me, it looked like it had been carved out of a cave. And <laughs>
1: that's what was in the basement. And,
2: and,
1: yeah, and it looks like a movie set. And it's, yeah, it looks, yeah like, it looks like a movie set from, like, Goodfellas or any mafia yeah. movie you've ever seen. There was, like, there was like Classic. flags. Flags of Italy. There was sausages hanging from the ceiling. There was this yeah. sign on one side that said, "Like the hideout in '60s" letters, and yeah. then there, it was it was completely dark in there. And then it was super what, what, what happened? Like within, like we were just in amazement, and we were also really drunk. But yeah. somehow, within like within the space of twenty minutes, I was sitting on the bar. With- oh yeah, it, and the, and the thing is, there was nobody there other than okay, it was us and I remember like
2: maybe four other men, like grown men, you know, like,
1: and like mobsters. Like grown men in, in suits and stuff, and then yeah, one of I, the, there started to be more coming in, but when we first came in, it was like just empty.
2: Yeah, and it was just us and these guys, and it, I felt like we were crashing their clubhouse, but they were yeah. all really sweet and welcoming. Like it didn't feel scary, but it felt criminal, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know
1: and then there was this one other girl that young blonde girl i can't remember if she hey, that was, was that was a little bit later so i was okay. I, I just remember i popped into consciousness from my champagne blackout when i was with within 20 minutes of there i was on the bar
2: and with uh, Paul.
1: yeah and, and and without us even asking
2: for anything didn't they just pop open a bottle of cristal and just started pouring it
1: yeah, that and then there was cocaine on C on CDs, and then I was laying on the bar with Paul was auctioning off like sucking my feet to a foot fetish guy that was wearing an ascot. Like, yes, <laughs> he was so <laughs> dapper. He was so sharp and dapper, and he was like trying to shrimp your feet. He had on ha, ha, like he had on houndstooth check, and he, he had my whole foot.
2: <laughs> it was like it was like. Austin Powers without the parody, like it was just real deal, kinky British 60s shit. It was crazy. <laughs> and,
1: and then, um, so then um, you were getting ready to go home and this beautiful blonde girl came in and, I, and there was more guys there and I was happy that there was another woman there and then Paul put you in a, in a cab to go back to the hotel. Yeah, and it was so, like
2: four it was four AM at this point and Sarah and I were like, Okay, I need to go home. was
1: <laughs> like Yeah, when like, you were leaving, but I was I was still staying there, so I was happy to have this new, new cute girl playmate, and she looked like a nineteen sixties Yardley ad. She was so beautiful, she had long straight blonde hair and yeah, total English was- rose skin and straight across bangs and Yeah, you know. Yeah and so she was lovely so we were hanging out and then i remember whispering to her i don't really know any of these men like let's leave at the same time and she said oh okay Mm -hmm. so we did and then by the time we were leaving i think it was like eight in the morning or something and i I was like shocked because i had forgotten to put sunglasses in my purse (laughs) and and um me and her uh we got in the cab and we we got to the hotel room and i don't even remember driving there or, or getting into the hotel room but then i remember we both passed out and then you woke up. This is what you told me later about what you saw when you woke up.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. I, I woke up and uh, no, I just turned over and I was just like, "Why is there a beautiful blonde woman <laughs> in bed with Pleasant?" I was really confused. <laughs> and we were both naked. We were just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just sprawled out naked and you know two gorgeous women passed out naked and i was just like i could not compute what must have happened from the moment i left to the moment i woke up i was like oh my god i was just so grateful i made it to the room safely <laughs> i couldn't believe it it was nuts it was crazy
1: um so i let's 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 completely switch gears and talk about mm-hmm. um when you had to um and when you wouldn't have been allowed to do this had they known your very sketchy past. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about um, your disability advocacy that you did at the Capitol in Washington. Yes, yes, and it's true. Wait, how did did you get past the security check? That's all (laughs) I want to know. No, I'm just kidding.
2: (laughs) No, they have no idea. And again, thank God social media did not exist back then but uh or yeah or i wouldn't be speaking at the capitol um i uh well in in recent years in my as as i've gotten older i've i've actually um look i'll um i'll be brutally honest i've you know i've grown up with a lot of self-loathing and shame around being uh disabled and specifically i'm a little person you can't see me watching i mean hearing this but i'm a little person and it's um it, you know, it, it's a tough upbringing uh, when you're literally just kind of the only, just somebody trying to fit into a society you don't fit into, to put it simply. So I grew up with a uh, a lot of uh, self-loathing and shame. So I'm a late bloomer with uh, embracing my disability. And I wanna say there's nothing wrong with that word because there's nothing wrong with being disabled. You know, that's one thing that I finally, I'm woke as the kids say so in my trying to find deeper really deeper meaning in my life i've become involved with this wonderful organization it's called uh, i became involved with southern california resource services for independent living and uh basically it's a disability rights Um, advocacy group in California, one of the largest, and I'm on their board of directors, and to put it simply, they're called SCRS, and with them, last year, I traveled to Washington, D.C. for the annual disability rights uh, conference that happens every summer, and unfortunately, due to COVID, we couldn't do it this year, and so they uh, they invited me to speak in front of the Capitol on behalf of Disability rights and it was a really kind of life-changing experience for me. And so now I'm really knee-deep in it Um, last year I Spoke in front of the state capitol on disability rights and I got to share the stage with people like Senate minority leader Chuck Schumer Um, I got to meet privately with Maxine Waters Ted Lou just to name a few uh, Congress members of Congress that I met with to advocate for disability equality and mainly access to education. So that's the serious part of me, and that's really where my passion lies these
1: days. That's. I mean, that it's so awesome that you're doing that work. Woo! Why wow, did you? you. <laughs> <Sorry>. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I, I mean, I, I, it, I, it, it I, ain't no, it ain't no mob private club, but. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that woo about what you were doing. Like this mm-hmm. is so crazy. All the all the um, hydraulics just went out of my office chair and it went down all the way. Wait, all so right. now I'm at your level, Selene. No, I'm just hilarious. Now we're at eye level on Zoom. Yeah, no, but But um, anyway, yeah, it's it's really great that you're doing that work. But I didn't realize with you that it was um, that you felt shame about it. I mean, because you always you always like. So many of your, um, your, your one-woman shows that I saw mm-hmm. get figured into, but also like when you had the show Pocket Venus, that was like the mm-hmm. best title ever. And, um, oh, thank you. And, um, you know, that just, just all of that. Although I do have to say, this has nothing to do with your disability rights, but because Selenia was so small, there's been mm-hmm. a few occasions where I literally mm-hmm. picked her up <laughs> and put her on my hip like a baby as we ran through airports to catch a plane.
2: We're always running through airports. I, um, well, yeah, I, I don't think I ever, um, I had so much shame that I couldn't admit it. And I would fight against it in whatever creative thing I would get involved in. Yeah. And I always came from a very confrontational place. And uh, there's a
1: lot of anger behind it because of the injustices that. Oh, I've my God, the injustices to people everywhere. Like, I can't, you know, my sister is disabled and we had to drive across the country mm-hmm. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like every there's so many little small things that, quote, quote, regular. I'm not going to say normal or, right. you know, yeah. um, you know non-disabled people don't realize how hard it is and like yeah first of all i'm just gonna say why the fuck is always the disabled space at the far end of the bathroom yeah you know (laughs) everything no everything yeah all of it it's second second class
2: citizen you know all the way through and um you know and i was brought up in a really old school way where you just like suck it up or i'll give you something to cry about yeah, you know? yeah. And so I was very resentful that I never got to express uh, the, um, how pissed off I was about the unfair world. And um, so I just so through, you know, political work, I've been able to find a productive platform. That's not angry, you know, I, I still have a lot of anger, but at least it's productive and helpful to other people. And um, so that that's really something new in my life.
1: And your, and your anger that you express, though, in an artistic way comes out really amazing, though, I got to say, because it's not oh, just anger, it's like, it's, it's fabulous. I mean, it, it's like that baby act or other things I've seen you do. It's just so, it's, you know, it's like how they say that, like, so, so many of the best rock and roll songs have come mm-hmm. from, um, from heartbreak, you know, yeah. like, uh, Yeah. Like, like you know, like Layla by Eric Clapton was yeah. about like, <laughs> like George Harrison's wife. Um, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so before- I. I- I I think great art, and I'm not calling any work I've done great, but I think- Well, I'm calling
1: it great, so it is fucking great. Well, thank you. You don't have to call it that because everybody else thinks it.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. That means a lot. And uh, I I just think that great, meaningful, or at least meaningful work comes from a a place of heartache. You know, a lot of it comes from, you know, a really dark place. Like some of the funniest, best comics come from a real place of pain. Oh, I agree. So I, I think ultimately the lesson here is that
1: art saves. Yes. Um, so let's talk about one more thing. I just want to mm-hmm. find out, like, uh, I want to find out if you've had um, any wild paranormal experiences, and I also want to hear your favorite um, music that you're listening to these days out in your calf town hashtag calf Town Life in Palm Springs. <laughs> Oh, fabulous. Okay, I have had paranormal experiences.
2: Now, we've had some of them together, actually. Yeah, we've had. Well, I wanted to share that. Number one, okay. I've, I've experienced it with you. Uh, so first I got to say, and I really mean this, I don't, have com- I don't really have conflicts about my personal beliefs. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in shit. I'm true blue, meat and potatoes, science. I, I'm like, I love science. I'm a sci-fi geek. I'm like full-on Trekkie life and um, (laughs) full-blown Trekkie life and um, so I just don't know I don't identify with the term paranormal maybe I'm just not clear enough with the terminology but I do believe that there are that there are things about our universe that we don't have a scientific explanation for but doesn't mean it doesn't exist so That's where I'm at with it. So I've had two pretty significant experiences with Pleasant, in in Pleasant's um, presence. Number one, uh, when we were touring, this may have been The Sensuous Woman, I can't remember what town we were in, but um, what is the, I forget the term for what you have that you make electrical things happen.
1: EPK, electro-psychokinesis.
2: Okay, well, Pleasant has told me for a long time, even before this experience, that she experienced EPK. And she told me about it. I don't think she's nuts. I believed her, but I'm just like, well, I don't understand it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't get it. <laughs> and so one time we were on the road and we were sharing a hotel room. And uh, we're just sitting there and I was watching TV. We had the Weather Channel on because yeah, that's as usual. Pleasant's favorite <laughs> channel. And every time she would walk by the TV, it would just turn off. And also, if she would walk by, I remember this hotel room had uh, sconces, the light fixtures were sconces. Yeah. And I remember if she walked by the sconces, it would flicker. So I was like, holy shit, her EPK is for real. Because it it just happened all the time in the room. Like, And if she left the room, all the electric was perfectly fine. So... I saw it with my own eyes. There was no question some shit was happening. And then, okay, then the second story to that in my uh, presence with Pleasant, many years later, I get married, I got married and uh, Pleasant offered to host my, uh, my bachelorette party. And since I'm not a Karen or a basic bitch, I didn't want some like normal bachelorette party. I almost didn't even want a bachelorette party. I wasn't that, I was just, you know, into getting married and that was it. But Pleasant really encouraged me to have an event. And um, so we decided on, which I was so happy about because it was really the funnest bachelorette party I could imagine. She offered to host a ghost hunting bachelorette party. And we even did it in the afternoon. And uh, so uh, Pleasant walked me and my 14 guests through uh, a ghost hunting kind of expedition. We actually, um, in our family, in our our, uh, family of entertainers, we're all familiar with this really wonderful theater called the Cavern Club Celebrity Theater, which is located in Silver Lake in the basement of Casita Del Campo Mexican Restaurant. And this uh, restaurant and theater has been there since the 60s, it's the same family, that own it, Rudy Del Campo, who was one of the original MGM Technicolor dancers. He, you could see him in West Side Story and a bunch of other uh, classic uh, musicals. He's the guy who bought this restaurant and created it as a family business, and the family still owns it and runs it. But he started this theater in the basement, for the local misfits and drag queens. And so all of us at one point in our career have performed in this basement. And the basement is rich with history. And that's where we had my bachelorette party. Because it's super haunted. It's super haunted. There have been a couple of deaths in this theater. And so um, I think Pleasant can elaborate more on the whole setup of the ghost hunting adventure there. But very quickly, into setting up in the basement, uh, Pleasant, uh, but what she started an EVP, an electronic voice. Uh,
1: yeah, what we, were, we were like, we had the meters on, we had o- ovals. we had all the paranormal equipment and EVPs is like electric voice. Wait, why am I blanking out now?
2: Yeah, electric voice yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, that's the Electronic is. voice phenomenon. And so immediately, uh pleasant starts picking up on a ghost voice that was uh quote unquote sitting right next to
1: Margaret. Yeah, it and, was. Margaret cuz Margaret could feel it cuz she said it got all cold, too. Yeah, Margaret and Margaret so. was, was Margaret sitting so. Margaret was sitting right behind me
2: and there was an empty chair next to her and she says I feel cold and I turn around and I put my arm over the chair and there really was a ghost i mean a gust of just cold feeling yeah it the
1: sounded cold air right there
2: and there was no vent or air conditioning right above it nothing like that and then so immediately pleasant starts recording on the evp device and we all all 14 of us heard it we all heard the voice pleasant asked the presence if uh, they would like a cocktail and the yeah. and the voice it was like a man's voice asked for a margarita yeah <laughs> it was amazing so yes i have had paranormal experiences
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay was...
1: so i just uh, what i have to tell you one thing my mm-hmm. my um epk just like i i'm not saying this is a joke you you said you felt like ashamed because you were disabled my whole life i thought i was hiding this from people because i was so horrified that that, like that everything like that light bulbs would explode or like Mm -hmm. you know the car the buttons in the cars would go up and down you know like the the electronic like door locking buttons or that oh yeah later on i could freeze computers but i i i ruined lights on movie sets and i thought (laughs) nobody would notice if i just didn't mention it you know what i mean until like it got to the point where I'd walk into a house, you know, or someone's apartment or somewhere. They'd be like, hey, come on in. Stay the fuck away from my computer. Like, that would be like, <laughs> what? And you are like, you know. Or, like, I couldn't go into a recording studio. Like, they'd be like, okay, wait, let me put these, like, panels up. So that, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I won't let you near anyone, any of my devices. You'll, <laughs>
2: blow, you'll blow them up. And, yeah, and I don't, and I actually don't blame you for, like, suppressing that part of yourself because... I mean, how do you explain it to people? It sounds you can't funny.
1: explain it to people, and it scared me. And one, I mean, it always scared me. It used to make me so, after a while, I mean, like, and we're talking about by the time I was in my teens, when I realized that this was happening through mm-hmm. me and to me and not just mm-hmm. random events around me, mm-hmm. I was just like, if I try to tell anybody about this, they're going to think I'm nuts. And then I thought, well, I'll just keep it on the DL. And I thought people didn't know. And then I found out for years that people were calling me Carrie and Firestarter. And oh my God,
2: you're like, oh my God, you get me?
1: What? You're all all complimented. Oh my God, how flattering! Thank you. No, I was horrified. I was like, (laughs) what? They know about that? Like, I thought, you know what I mean? I was outed. I was like, totally in the closet about this. That's so (laughs) hilarious. I know. Well, oh my God. It, it used to stress me out too. And if I well, was stressed out, I'd walk in somewhere and a light bulb would explode, or like. But I think one this time, is- one time, even wait, I was reporting a, a a crime. I had this stalker, and I went to the to the Hollywood Police Station to mm-hmm. report it. And I was telling the guy about it, and all of a sudden, the ATM machine started going on and off, and it was making all this noise. And then it would stop with a big clank, and then it would do it again. And then he goes, uh, he just looked at it weird, and he said, "Okay, I'm gonna go and make a, I'm gonna make copies of this report for you." And then he came back, and he's like, "Ma'am, I'm sorry, like our Xerox machine is malfunctioning. Well functioning." And I, in my head, yes. I'm thinking, "Oh figure." And then the the ATM machine started going again, and I was like what's going on with that machine? And he goes, I don't know, but if it starts spitting some money out, I'll, I'll just leave and we can go to Vegas, like the cops that said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh my God. Um, that's crazy. Well, I, I that's, but you know, that's what I love about, what I've really grown to love about getting older. It's like, at some that's why I'm so heavily involved now with disability advocacy, because you know, you get to a point in, in life and age where you realize I can no longer fight who I really am. So I'm gonna just go for it full hog and embrace it. it and exactly.
1: It. Yeah. And
2: enjoy it. Just enjoy it. This is who you are. Yeah.
1: You fuck know? it. It's,
2: yeah. <laughs> fuck it. It's a big case of the buckets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let, let, let's talk about one more thing that you're, um, you're doing um you're on the board of directors for the Com- palm springs comedy festival is that yeah
2: yes well um as you know i well i'm originally from los angeles grew up I grew up in la lived there my whole life but um in the last uh year or so i uh my husband and i we uh left the big city and we moved to palm springs for um the palm springs lifestyle Which is really incredible. And it's what I always dreamed of. And um, so now that I'm living here. I'm currently on the board of directors of the Palm Springs International Comedy Festival, which is um, a really, really great huge comedy event and um, and I'm but this year. We're doing the festival online, and the festival is gonna be September 24th through the 28th, and I'll be hosting. So I hope people will tune in. Yay. All right, Shalina. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I love you so much, and this has been a lot of fun.
1: Oh my God, we could have made this four hours long. Maybe we'll have to do it (laughs) again. Oh my God. I would love that. iceberg. Yeah, we barely scratched the surface. I love you so much. I love you too. Okay, you guys, that was Selene Luna. How amazing is she? And this really was just like not even a fraction of um, what she what she does, what she will be doing, how she is. She's, she's just so incredible, and she's a nonstop fountain of creativity. Anyway... Thanks for listening to my guest, Selene Luna, and see you next time. She's Well, that was Selena Luna, isn't she fabulous? Aside from all of our zany shenanigans together, um, she's got a serious side too. She's extremely active in the independent living movement and the National Council for Independent Living, which helps thousands of people with disabilities all over every state in America. She's also spoken at the Capitol on um these sort of issues so log on to her website seleniluna.com if you want to find out more about her activism and she's got a packed schedule of entertainment even though some of it now is probably only online but you will just love her give her a visit and um if you're lucky maybe sometime you'll meet her in person and be able to experience her wildness in the flesh see you next time on the devil's music bye Mwah.
0: the devil's music is written and hosted by pleasant Gaiman. produced by aaron alden all sound design by jerry danielson of busy signal studios and, of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks.